One. Yeah, yeah, Deep Space Dragons, you're here, you get the spiel. Back to the conversation we were just having. What's new with you? Uh, well, my name is Carl, and what's new with me, Richard, <laughs> is... Uh, so the the new Dominaria set, uh, uh, Magic, came out? Ooh. Uh, pause uh, to plug. So, Byron, longtime friend of the channel, has recently started his Magic streaming career, and I might plug some things in the video description for that later, because... Byron's basically a computer, but please continue. <laughs> but so, so the new Dominaria set, and, and you and I have have talked about this off stream uh, about the uh, monocolored banner creatures for all the uh, tribal archetypes. So, for uh, those just tuning in on episode fifty-five, for whatever reason, we do have an episode called Carl the Gathering, where we deep dive into Magic the Gathering, and that might be some <laughs> required reading for this little segue to make a little more sense. <laughs> but please continue. <clears throat> So I mean I, I I have a goblins deck because um, goblins are awesome. Yeah, yeah, goblins are awesome, and and my my entire archetype for the deck uh, was uh, only goblins. So uh, creature spells are goblins, enchantments are goblins, and instants and sorceries are also goblins. It's like even though they're not technically creatures, uh, but more to the point, they released one new goblin in the set, the the mono red one that banners all your other goblins, like makes them better, uh, and I really wanted it. So I bought a draft box of the 36 packs. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then I was going to, I was, I came to my roommates. I was like, Hey, let's do a draft, but I want to open some of these packs to see whether or not I get that goblin. So we opened the first 12 packs. Cause that's something you need for drafts. Like, okay. Didn't get the goblin. I got, we got the cleric, the soldier, uh, <laughs> and, uh, the, the merfolk. Oh, well, elves are basically worse goblins anyway. <laughs> then, then we opened the second 12 packs, and we didn't get any of them. And so then I'm just like letting, sitting there looking at those tw- last 12 packs like, oh, do we have a draft? Oh, man, I really want to open those because I really want this goblin. Uh, and, I'm, and then my roommate's like, well, if we open those last 12 packs, I'll buy a box so we can do a draft with my dad. I'm like, oh, nice. I do always uh, appreciate when parents join in on nerd hobbies. That's just like a personal <laughs> thing that fills me with joy every time. Yeah. Uh, so then we happen, we open the last 12 packs. And wouldn't you know it, in that last 12 packs was, in fact, uh, my goblin. So the story has a happy ending, full of goblins. Well, I mean, it kind of has a happy ending. It makes me feel like I spent $190 on a single card that's worth, like, 35 cents. But No, you spent it on an experience. <laughs> well, and I did also convince my roommate to uh, to call up his dad and see if he could come over for that for a draft with the box that he I bought. I mean, but... that specifically makes the story worthwhile. I say with no <laughs> money whatsoever. Hmm. But, uh, so, what's new with you, Richard? So, I went all summer deliberately not having a life, and it was wonderful. The sun was shining, the birds were singing, I imagine, but I was in a cave, and it was great. So, Mm. it turns out, like, out of all the D&D backgrounds, I would probably choose Hermit for myself to enjoy my life. (laughs) But the campus is resumed, and I have classes on campus. They're at 8 in the morning, so I'm up at 5 in the morning. Mm. And then I'm trying to resalvage that time by listening to podcasts and classes and e-textbooks and Critical Role and all that fun stuff. But I've decided that because it's the first two weeks, I'm going to do a ton of socializing so I can then just ghost everyone for the next 12. 
you know, my classic strategy. Front load to mm. socializing before the workload gets heavy, and then blame the workload and then proceed to live my best life. Mm. So what's funny is I work from an office now, and working from an office has some magical effects. So we're in the tutoring session, which is center, which is cool because I have coworkers to chat with. Plus, I'm not at my home computer, so I'm honestly more productive. Mm. This and that, and occasionally students will wander in and will ask, like, "Hey, um, it says tutoring center. Help me. I'm lost and afraid." Mm. So they come in. I explain that you book it online, and then if you book it online, you can book out a point with me. This, that, the other thing. But we had one person come in who just didn't quite understand how tutoring was supposed to work. Mm-hmm. So he comes in the first time and asks if there's a tutor for a hyper-specific program I've never heard of. And mm. we say, um, you book online. He waits, goes outside, stares in the window, and sits outside the tutor center for an hour. Comes back in and asks, and we're like, um, that's not how this works. So then he sits next to me on my desk, and I'm doing, like, student enrollment data. So I'm not actually a tutor at the moment. I'm closer to office admin. He's like, oh, just let me show you the problem, you can solve it. I'm like, I cannot. I do not know transitional marketing fundamentals. That has math involved. I don't do math. That is why D&D mm-hmm. Beyond should sponsor me. They do the math for me. <laughs> so this happened five times that day, where he would just like wait an hour and come back and try again. And it was deeply confusing. But on a more positive note, something happened that I thought was impossible. So on Tuesday, I just kind of say to the group Discord slash yell out in the classroom, who wants to play D&D this week? Mm. And then it's like, I do, I do, I do. And then on Friday, we just play D&D that week. (laughs) I have never just set a time and a place and then had D&D happen. So (laughs) they built a new student building, which is like a new gym, a bunch of club rooms. It's a nice building. Not everyone's Mm. aware that many of these rooms exist. So I have like a super secret study room fireplace D&D lounge. Mm -hmm. So I tell everyone to meet me in the super secret D&D fireplace lounge. We start Mm -hmm. our session. But about an hour in, we hear someone yell from the other side of the room. Um, excuse me, some of us are studying and I'm in a lecture right now. So someone went to an abandoned room on the third floor in the new building, saw that there was eight people playing a board game, went in, sat down and started complaining that we were being too loud. (laughs) It wasn't a study room, it's a lounge. So that was the equivalent to going in a bar and telling everyone to stop watching football because you have a physics lecture. <laughs> but the worst part is I have such default politeness that I like explains you can book quiet rooms and silent rooms and you can go to this section to do this and they just completely ignored me, waited, sat in their chair and then half an hour later complained loudly again that we were being too loud. <laughs> and it's just like... The, the professional in me wants to always help students succeed, but the dungeon master right. in me was so furious. But <laughs> uh, That is a peculiar situation, that's for sure. Because it's like, yeah, if I wasn't having fun, I would have literally walked over and helped this person find a quiet space. Mm. I, but also, why would you go in a room that seats 60 for yourself and be mad that other people are making noise in that? That just seems like self-preservation didn't happen. <laughs> so we have our D&D session and I love D&D with new players new players are consistently mm. my favorite players because their brain hasn't quite figured out how D&D works which weirdly right. makes them the perfect role players mm-hmm. so we had a play by post campaign running over the summer and mm-hmm. what I decided was everyone could still play their characters we'd start this new campaign at level 5 however Makes sense. for the sake of new players we're going to start on the seas on a boat 
and they told me that they're paprika merchants who may or may not have been smuggling drugs. Mm. I literally just kind of like had a tidal wave launch them into another setting. Like I yeeted, I ekasied them right out of the Sword Coast. So it's like, yeah, you have your character, <laughs> but everyone you knew and loved just in another world. Enjoy. Mm. But just some of my players made me so happy. Like one person comes to me, it's like, okay, I want a goblin that dies every session because they're dating death and they're a death warlock and they're constantly trying to be with their fiance who keeps saying you're not good enough yet and rejecting them and sending them back to life. Okay. And I, as a DM, I'm like, this is the best gift anyone's given me. You're telling me every week I get to horribly murder your character? <laughs> so, like, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, next session, they just start impaled on a rock when the ship crashed on a beach. And I'm just so happy for this gift. <laughs> so, like, D&D shenanigans were good times. We played our Dungeons and Dragons in this abandoned study room in this campus after closing with one angry person in the room hating that we decided to have fun. Hmm. But I've spent so much time away that just, like, I haven't really slept this week. Hmm, yeah. It's like, I'm going to be irresponsible for a bit. <laughs> well, I mean, might as well live it up a little bit before the workload gets real heavy again. Oh, for sure. I mean... I believe it was an episode of Dexter's Lab where he would decide to go to university first time. And he spent the full first episode being so angry that people were making noise and such. But then... That's not a good sign. Oh, is everything good? Oh, it just sounded like you cut out for a second there. So I gave a little bit of a monologue about Dexter's Lab where there's later an episode where he goes to university mad no one's studying because everyone parties mm. for the two, first two weeks. And when everyone got serious, he wanted to party. So he made a giant hot tub out of the residential building. <laughs> but that motivation is <laughs> okay. so true about party now, study later, because there's no reason not mm. to have fun. But keeping in mind, my version of partying involves dice, my awesome new D&D terrain briefcase, and mm. then Ubering home. So to like connect this to a story you were telling me off screen about the idea that you spent a hundred bucks on packs and this came up on stream as well. I have a firm policy about Ubers. If I do an activity that like, for example, someone offers me food or drinks or cocktails or whatever, and I end up spending as much as getting as much as the Uber would cost in hosting, I could just Uber mm. home and it still balances out because I'm treating it like a night out. Because sometimes you're just not in the best state to make take mass transit for an hour and a half. Makes sense. But but the, the how long was the Uber ride then? Like thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Because my transit route's good but specific. So, as anyone who's ever met me is aware, despite my best intentions, I never know where I am. I have no sense of direction. I have traded my wisdom stat for pure charisma. I am a bullshit artist. It is my profession. It is my trade. I never know where I am, what I'm doing. And anytime a medicine check happens, I just throw up and fall over. <laughs> so, of course, I started the summer as a tour guide. Then was a student connector, which was a specialized tour guide. So we end up going to one of the D&D players apartment because it was a block away just to kind of like have a post-game chat and not have the one angry student stare at us. Mm -hmm. and they hand me the keys like oh you've been here before guide everyone I'm like how did I get tour guided again why do people keep doing this to me <laughs> it's like well you're the only one who's been there before I'm like yeah I've been here for a yoga class but also I don't know where anything is ever I'm not subtle <laughs> about this why is this happening to me 
And that's been my week. It all blurred together from start to finish. I, at some point, read some Canterbury Tales. I don't remember when. I wrote a chapter of a visual novel. I don't remember when I did that either. <laughs> but to loop back around, together. as we are flip-flopping on the titles, I think I've decided we're going to do our original option of Talking Spies this week. Ah. So I'm going to start with A Shadow to Death Battle. So if you want to watch something completely pointless, YouTube's Death Battle series is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Although in recent years, they've made a one leap that's irritating me. So originally, they'd always start by describing, like, characters' feats on screen. But at some right, point, right. they decide that if someone dodges something, that that means they move at the speed of light, which is just not how anything works. Uh, yeah, because it kind of seems like they're suggesting nearly everyone moves at the speed of light, or at the very least, at the speed of lightning. And it's like, just because they do a cool maneuver in anime is dramatized, doesn't mean that's how you should be measuring the reflexes. Like, they reflex faster than time. I'm like... Or they get lucky once in a while. I mean, that's equally possible. <laughs> but they did an episode of John Wick versus James Bond. And how the fight came... I, I was definitely surprised by the result, for sure. I was surprised by the result until I thought about it. Because you start with John Wick, you're like, alright, John Wick isn't necessarily a spy, but also if he wanted to be a spy, he'd be really good at it. Mm. But he really is just the antagonist in any spy movie. Like... John Wick, told from the point of view of anyone who's not John Wick, he is the villain. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Like, he's exactly the kind of person who'd get... He's exactly the kind of person who'd be paid to kill James Bond. But they're like, oh yeah, we're using all the versions of James Bond, so his gadgets are basically magic. Ooh, yeah, that's true. And one of the things that bugs me about Death Battle is when they use all the versions of a character instead of just committing to a version of a character. Because if they just Mm. commit to one canonic version of the character and then state that at the start their math would be less insane like if they're like superman from the dc animated universe then he stops being able to split atoms by licking or stops being able to develop a superpower to shoot tiny superman from his fingertips you get a much more balanced fight so we have james bond being like well here's daniel craig james bond i'm like nah he would lose to john wick for sure because daniel craig day bond can get tied up and hit in the groin with a rope this is a thing that happens mm-hmm. to that James Bond. But <laughs> GoldenEye 64 James Bond, who has a golden gun that shoots a magic bullet that turns you to dust and can have you a laser battle on the moon. That's not a fair James Bond for this fight. <laughs> what do you mean you looked up the James Bond graphic novel for that time that he did a backflip through the air and shot three people through the head? That's not fair. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the version of James Bond I did took, because it has all all sorts of different canon that aren't necessarily canon with each other, uh, plus had I've, a far more ridiculous skill set than I thought it would be, because it's over, like, 60 years of, of James Bonding. Plus, I firmly believe the fan theory that every James Bond is literally the codename James Bond because of different actors and settings and things. Disregarding mm. the one movie where it's like, these are my parents, Mr. and Mrs. Bond. I'm like, come on. Come on. No. Come on. Wait, wait, wait. Was that a Daniel Craig James Bond movie? I don't know. Probably. I got burned out after Casino Royale because they took themselves too seriously and stopped being fun. At Uh, some point, they decided that James Bond... They decided that James Bond would just turn into the Bourne identity for some reason, and they became the same movie. Uh, Well, I mean, that's that's the the thing about the the gritty gritty remake, which, fortunately, Spy X Family is not anywhere near the gritty remake territory. Perfect transition. So... In Spy X Family, for those who haven't seen it, go watch Spy X Family. It just makes me happy. 
That's it. That's all I'm <laughs> going to tell you. But we get to Lloyd, who's like, yeah, what if we took the cool James Bond and removed the gross misogynistic from it and just made a cool James Bond? <laughs> he is just a cool James Bond character. So it's like, yeah, he got the masks and the martial arts and the actually he's a spy who's competent at his job. But you're like, you know what we're not going to do? We're going to make him be the most attractive spy ever, but somehow inexplicably chased. Uh, well, I mean, that's that's kind of an anime trope. Where that's the such most a weird anime ever. trope. Like, it's like, okay, <laughs> this is this 30-year-old spy adopts a daughter for his master plan ends up with an assassin wife. They clearly love each other. Perfect mix. Sleep in separate rooms because, you know, that's how people work. <laughs> oh. <laughs> not, not a super hyper-realistic character study, I suppose. But, or but it, it is, because it could just be a cultural thing. Because, hmm, yeah, I mean, I in Canada, we don't really have a birth rate failing problem. Hmm. Well, at least in Saskatchewan. <laughs> I mean, off the record, I did have a boss say hypothetically something extremely illegal and sexist about not hiring female employees because they like getting pregnant. Uh, yeah, that that was an unfortunate hypothetical conversation. But moving on from misogyny, let's talk James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just kidding. Nah, he was a misogynist. It's bad. It's a problem. Although the okay, newest... Shit... So... Oh, you yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, in the newest James Bond movie I saw, though, they murdered him and gave him a daughter and tried to make uh, it a big reveal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, wouldn't that actually have been the last, the Quantum yeah. Sol- not Quantum Solace. No, Quantum Solace no one watched and no one enjoyed. <laughs> I'm sure the word die was in there somewhere. I mean... Oh, die another day. That, that was the last one, right? Although I do enjoy that in my work chat when they announced they're doing GoldenEye 64 for Nintendo Switch, my boss like, that's amazing, we can play GoldenEye 64. So my work's all about the idea of playing GoldenEye. I I was disappointed that GoldenEye 64 uh, wasn't actually released yet, because it was in the Nintendo Direct. Oh, I would, we'd be playing it right now, like, while having this conversation, there would just be footage of (laughs) GoldenEye 64 in the background, as you would play Oddjob, because you're that person. Oh, it's such a weird running joke. I know there's no reason to talk about Super Mecha Champions while we're talking spies, but they released like a mm. junk penguin mech, and me and my brother were immediately, yeah, that's a Carl mech. Oh, <laughs> uh, penguins. But while we're talking spies, the start of Sakamoto days, because weirdly, spies and assassins are basically the same genre. Like in Spy right. X Family, it's like one character's a spy, so obviously his wife's an assassin. That's just uh, yeah. obviously how that would go. But I do enjoy where they go to the, like their prissy meeting and they're like, oh, we're going to be openly misogynistic to her. It's like, no, she has other skills and we're partners and you're a jerk. And I'm like, you're right, show. You're right. Take that traditional gender roles. You can be a great parent and not a cook. That's fair game. How dare you, society? <laughs> Actually, I find myself agreeing with Spy X family a lot on a lot of things. Except that they put in the creepy I'm into my sister character that somehow always exists in animes and is not super problematic, even though it's like the most problematic concept imaginable. Uh, yeah, I mean, and there's another another series in Shonen Jump that does the same thing with Mashal, where there's just like one character whose only defining character trait is that he's into his sister. It's actually a recurring thing, because I know that's a character in Black Clover as well. Hmm, yeah. And in Fairy Tale, and... In Naruto, and 
In Bleach, probably. Yeah, no, in Bleach, that person was a zombie ghost, but it happened. <laughs> um, not One Piece to my knowledge, but we're not going to touch the powder keg that is One Piece. Yet. We'll get there someday. Uh, yeah. We'll get there someday. <laughs> we got time. One Piece isn't ending anytime soon. But the loop back to Spies and Assassins. The start of Sakamoto mm. days where Magama, a retired assassin who just works at a corner store, was a brilliant premise. Mm. And then it decided to turn into Naruto for some reason. Yeah, it is straight up turned into Naruto. Uh, and actually, you know, surprisingly, uh, ninjas, I mean, ninjas are basically assassins, which also makes ninjas basically spies because that's oh, yeah. like actually part of their reconnaissance work is to go out and spy on things. Like oh, the okay. like in the tuning exams where where the requirement was for them to cheat without getting caught. Man, to, Naruto had some cool ideas at skills. the start. But to leap back to spies, <laughs> a lot of these archetypes, part of its flavor. And when you think spy, mm. at least my brain goes like twenties gen like Chicago in suits. Like mm-hmm. I immediately go get smart, old school James Bond, and Spy's family. That is immediately where my brain goes into the genre, and that's where it's happy. Because spying is so much less interesting when it's The Rock and Sean Hobbs. I don't remember who each one is who. Doing like car stealing things. I'm like, no. I want my spies to be suave in a suit. And spying made more sense during like Cold War era to be actually interesting. Right. Because current spies can just blow up six city blocks. Because our world Mm -hmm. is a nightmare. And it turns out you can just go shoot someone in the street and be the president. But back when you did, like, even fictional Cold War spy, the idea was if your spy gets caught, that could spark an international incident because you can't actually get caught doing your spying because people care that mm. people are spying. Now you, like, right. the spying era with smartphones feels like, why would we need spies? People will just click, yes, I'll share my location data and then take selfies. Like, what's even the point of being a spy? <laughs> you could just type well, it into Google. Uh, I mean, the the CIA in the U.S., as, as far as I know, uh, all of their employees are not allowed to use TikTok. Uh, Good job. Are not now the CIA is going ca- Now the CIA is going to cancel our podcast. Good job. <laughs> well, they they think it's a security risk, and actually, they're going so far as to say that they're that none of their family members can have TikTok on their phones. I mean, it's way wise though. Like, if I was an intelligent person, I wouldn't be doing social media advertising for myself. <laughs> but instead, I'm an author, so I'm like, you know what? Odds are, I die statistically. I die in the street anyway. I might as well go all in. All in, but yeah, like I would definitely prefer like the jazzy noir vibe spy to the oh I'm just an action hero with the word spy attached to my name. Like that's part of what uh, weirdly killed Sakamoto days for me. Is like man, you're a badass assassin, but now we're just having martial arts fight in the streets, being super obvious, and that's just less compelling. I, like, I definitely agree. And I mean, like, what is the point of a spy if there isn't smooth jazz in the background? Like, what's even the point? What are we doing here? Because, like, okay, but so do you do you think that actual spies actually do uh, a lot of paperwork? Because like, oh, I feel for like they probably sure. do. Like, I'm trying to think of some like more traditional live action movies like Argo and things, where like the goal is actually to acquire information as a spy. Hmm. And it's like, yeah, no, if you're actual spying, and your like a job is to get documents and paperwork. Like, mm. recording what you do is more important than what you do, because that's much less action hero and more actual spy. Like, mm-hmm. the James Bond is like, I'm spy with a license to kill. Or Arch- Sterling Archer as a spy. Sterling Archer <laughs> is the perfect example of where the spy trope went. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I'm the most world's most famous spies. Like, isn't that a terrible, terrible thing for an actual spy? 
<laughs> uh, different note, that series has had a great return to form over the last two seasons. I've actually quite enjoyed it. Right, because it had the com- that season where he woke up from a coma, and now it has a second season since he's woken up from a coma. And they're like back to actually being spies. But that series does a, did a really good job, despite being not recommended for everyone and hitting every trigger warning, about making mm. some really solid movie references and parodies. Because the series hmm. itself was meant as a James Bond parody. Makes sense. And it's like, yeah, no, that is a good spy show, because there's lots of shooting and a lot of Archer being Archer, but they're actually trying to do spy stuff. And when they stopped doing <laughs> spy stuff, the show went way downhill, much like Sakamoto mm. Days. Ah, <laughs> uh, poor Sakamoto Days. Such a solid premise, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, now, now he's just a ninja, which somehow isn't a spy. I think it's all about the weight. Like, I think the the difference in this one is, especially in tropes, because an actual ninja is indistinguishable from a spy. But we talked in a ninja episode how societal expectations and people copying each other and mnemonics results in a character being made as a trope, and then people are being inspired by that trope to the point where the trope becomes the actual character rather than what it was supposed to originally be. Mm-hmm. So you start with a spy and you go like, oh yeah, Mr. Bean. As a spy, that's a hilarious bit. Or you go, yeah, get smart, <laughs> classic TV, and you're like, okay, this is a spy. They have gadgets and secret entranceways and people running telegraph lines. Like, this is classic spy stuff, yeah. Hmm. And then you're like, oh no, this just absorbed every action movie and became not about data acquisition. Because the idea of spying <laughs> is your goal is to get a piece of information, an object, or a thing. And old school mm-hmm. James Bond movies were always about he's trying to go in and get a floppy disk or a paper file. Yeah. Because the information's what's important. And then he inevitably ends up shooting the villain and being seduced by the, sedu- the seductress. <laughs> Where, like, the Daniel Craig Bond, which I couldn't stand, was just punching and shooting his way through everything. And he wasn't mm. actually trying to be sneaky in any way, shape, or form. Where I find Ocean's Eleven, even though it's a theft movie, feels more like a spy movie than recent James Bond. Because even though they're going into heist, heist movies feel more structured to a spy movie than an action mm. movie does. And, yeah. I, and I love me a good, well-constructed heist movie. That, that is fair, because, I mean, their whole, their whole goal is to use their particular skill sets to uh, acquire most usually money because it's a heist movie but like like the main difference between a heist movie and a spy movie is money versus data like you hmm. think classic spy x spy though and like clever spy traps and our nice little beak face spies and I'm like yeah no spying's great but part of it's supposed to be the espionage and subterfuge hmm. and I'm trying to think of like other spy animes I've seen or spy games that have been fun and I'm like they don't like qu- quite get the feel like you end up with an assassination game because it has that higher action element. But it's hard mm. to put like an actual spy game to practice. But you think about GoldenEye 64, and they gave you like a crummy pistol. And you very rarely could actually just murder everyone in that game and win. You actually had to like, pew pew, sneak in, get the disc, yeah, escape. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it definitely had more of that spy feel. For me to do a complete curveball to Full Metal Panic of all things... Full Metal Panic, okay. So in Full Metal Panic, they had Mithril, the mech pilots of justice operating from their submarines, who would go in, destroy jug refineries, beat up terrorists, heroes of justice. But the characters Mm -hmm. actually did a lot more, like, 
they were competent in spycraft like their mechs were invisible deliberately they'd go in do their mission escape sometimes as assassination sometimes it was stealing floppy disks mm. a lot of times it was bodyguard work because the core premise of full metal panic is i'm this badass mercenary having to be a normal person to protect this thing i'm like honestly a nice bodyguard movie definitely touches on some spycraft-esque stylings to it well, okay, and, like, you know, this is actually kind of a, kind of a trope. Now that you mention it, where where the spy has to pretend to be a normal person, and then they learn uh, the value of being a normal person or how to interact with normal people. Because like that's the whole premise of Sakamoto Days. That's the whole premise of Spy X Family. Like it, it, the the spy pretending to be a normal person and eventually realizing they like being a normal person seems to oh, yeah. kind of be a, an archetype. Yeah, and Full Metal Panic followed that amazingly. Also. I have to give my, like, misogynistic warning I give to most anime and manga repetitions where I'm like, oh yeah, anime fan service did not age well, especially with the way the world has shifted. But if you can look past that, Full Metal Panic has some great moments in it. Makes me real happy. <laughs> okay, uh, but so I, so we opened this episode by saying we should get back to the conversation we were just having, which is about, um, our our collaboration novel that we're working on we've we did a podcast episode on our um our potential uh pitch ideas and which one we ultimately settled on uh being the slice of life uh monster ranch so at some point Hmm? i'll definitely follow up on that at some point my esteemed colleague here because originally we're like yeah slice of life monster ranch like you know what we need we need a spy and i'm like that is the best thing you've ever said this is why we're soulmates (laughs) because <laughs> it's true like so our t- tentative title of like the spy at the monster menagerie working title subject to change is like yeah no the mm. idea that we have a spy with spy tropes in a spi- slice of life setting is genius and I'll let you finish mm. your thought on that one because you were going somewhere well okay so um, there's one of the characteristics of our spy character is uh, that they they don't like paperwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then throughout the series, uh, as often as I can imagine, I've been trying to create scenarios where they end up having to do paperwork. Um, and so, like, one, one of the scenarios, they get uh, a name tag, um, which has the wrong name on it. Which is uh, a fantastic I, bit. <laughs> uh, and so then he he's like, hey, can I get a name tag with my name on it? And they're like, oh, yeah, but you just had to fill out this, this name change paperwork. Uh, so then obviously he fills out the name change paperwork. And then this is, is my question for you. Uh, funny or not funny, uh, he, uh, he fills out the paperwork and then they give him his new name tag and it still says the wrong name. Because he accidentally filled out, uh, he's like, so in yeah. the book, his name is Phil and the name tag says Jamie. And he wants it to be changed the other way around where his name is Jamie, but the name tag says this Phil. And then he fills in the wrong boxes on the paperwork. He fills it in that he's Phil and he's changing the name tag to Jamie. And so then he just gets the same name tag back. So that's a fantastic joke. So, to follow up on that in a weird side tangent, so I googled spy animes, because I didn't think to do that before this episode, you know. (laughs) And amusingly, Full Metal Panic showed up on the list. But also, we missed Ghost in the Shell. 
which is objectively like the best spy anime of all time, and I feel kind of low key stupid that it didn't occur to me. The best spy anime of all time doesn't it, doesn't have an extremely weird and convoluted ending. Yeah, it's a spy anime. No, that that's Neon Genesis Evangelion. Nah, Ghost in the Shell is like, yeah, we have digital brains being uploaded in robot bodies and people doing combinations of hacking, stealth, and spy ops. To it's like, ah, uh, do yourselves a favor and watch Ghost in the Shell. Just do it. I'm not even gonna like. I don't need to sell Ghost in the Shell to you. It's a mega bestseller, international super hit for a reason. Okay, that just got me thinking, though. Um, have you seen Altered Carbon? I have. It's a bad ghost in the shell, and I really liked Altered Carbon. <laughs> okay, but so my question here is... Uh, Altered Carbon is a great spy series. I am 100% on board with that being a spy series. Is a spy series? Because I was going to say he's more of a, a, a detective. Yeah, detective and spy. Like, So the only difference between him being a spy and detective is he's being paid by... Like, if you're a detective, you're paid by a client to explore a mystery. If you're hmm. a spy, you're paid by an agency to explore a mystery and then steal a thing. He does more ah, of the yeah, stealings okay. of things. So he's definitely hmm. hired to be like, be this person, acquire this thing, be his friend. I'm like, man, Alter Carbon was so good. Alter Carbon was a really good show. So I think I just realized combining spycraft with sci-fi is like weirdly my actual favorite genre like a sleeper hit that I wasn't expecting and didn't know this about myself <laughs> cause yeah that was Altered Carbon was amazing and a weird number mm. of things I like have made it onto this list like okay, I'm looking so well did you ever the see Ghost in the Shell Night Raid 1931 it's literally a spy anime about the Sino-Japanese war and World War I oh and it follows a spy agency. <laughs> Sometimes I love anime. They're just like more letting themselves be subtle. Like I'm a big show and jump fan, but sometimes, sometimes I like to have a little bit more nuance going on. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, of course, Spy X Family's on this list. They put Future Diary on here, and I'm not sure that's true. Yeah, I mean that's that's not really a spy show. Not really. Like there is like. The like detect teenage detective kid who's trying to solve it, like he had his future diary and he had like the bulletproof vest under the rubber suit because he saw all these murders coming. Yeah, yeah, but he's he's not really hired by anyone. He's yeah. he's just thrust into a mystery. Because detective and spy have a lot of overlap. Like Detective Conan is hits most of the spy checkboxes, but he's really just doing police procedural mysteries. Well, and and like back to the future diary again, it's it's like. Uh, the he he's not really hired to to investigate the mystery, and he's not really out to like steal anything. So it's like I I disagree. I don't think that's a spy series. I agree with your it's a psychological thriller for sure. But I just find it funny that it was on this list of spy recommended spy anime. I'm like that's not a spy anime at all. <laughs> but it, it's on this okay. list because sometimes it doesn't matter what we think, even if we're right. <laughs> But yeah, the idea of adding a spy in is fantastic. And the thing is, a lot of series have a spy, but that doesn't mm. make them a spy series. Like, you could say Mao Hughes in Full Metal Alchemist was a spy. Because mm. he was. That was his literal profession. Right. But that doesn't make Full Metal Alchemist a spy series. Oh, most definitely was not a spy series either. That's for sure. And like, I'm sure people will try and make the argument that Death Note was a spy series, wasn't a spy series. For me, you need the suit <laughs> and the tie and the saxophone. 
I know those aren't the actual requirement in any way, but that's my requirement. I will say, though, Kaguya-sama Love is War, the romantic rom-com between the student council president and the student council vice president trying to convince the other person to confessing their love first, hits a lot of spy notes because they're trying so strategic for this objective. And I'm like, no, Mm. you're trying to get this information through every fiber of your being to trick, subterfuge, sabotage, to get the other person to say they like you first. That hit a lot of spy notes. (laughs) like it's just the piece of information was dumb because if you're at the point where you're trying to use spy tactics to figure out if someone likes you was there you already like them just suck it up and admit that to yourself but they refused and they made the series very compelling this is the second time this has come up uh, that series has come up for conversation i think i might actually have to read it they released the vault chapters on uh, the shonen jump app do it up it is like my favorite manga of like the last three years probably Although, uh, sometimes they're really slow at, at rolling out vault chapters. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you would consider it a, a spy or not, but uh, the um, Golden Wind, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Wind. It has lots of the notes I talked about. It definitely has the flavor I need out of it. <laughs> like, I will allow this. The Mafia. Oh, did you ever see Darker Than Black? Uh, no, I don't think I have. So it was an anime with someone with lightning powers, but he actually was a spy. <laughs> Doing <laughs> spy things. It's actually pretty good. But, but, but uh, moving on. My, my, only think... problem, oh. my, my only problem with Golden Wind is that they're releasing the, the vault chapters so sporadically, and it's like, they just like, I think they release one volume at a time, and then it just like cuts off in the middle of, of an arc, and it's like, oh. Yeah, that is rough. Man, I'm looking at some of these spy animes, and there's a lot of things I've never heard of. Like, there's one hmm. anime movie called Read or Die, which is about, like, a superpower agency of spies. I'm like, nah, I saw that movie, or I dreamt it, and it was a fever dream, and I'm not sure which. Because, <laughs> yeah, spy, uh, secret agent, complete overlap. Assassin hmm. spy, tangentially similar. But with that, I think we come to the end of our episode with our random question of the day unless you have uh-huh. a spiral a tangent or this is all in a distraction as your agent steals my letters off my desk <laughs> well i mean i do need to uh keep this conversation going for a little bit longer so i i can trace this conversation and trace the call guess what it's my basement <laughs> i am also in the basement <sighs> All right, so our random questions coming in. Du-du-du-du-du, looking for it. Now, the witness protection one we definitely already did. I mean, that would be thematic, but but no. All right, this is an interesting one for sure. Our random cu- question coming in. What is the weirdest dream you've ever had? Ooh. Right? Uh, the The weirdest dream... Uh, I ever had. Um, so this was like several years ago. Um, and my, my mom was like sick. Uh, and she was like coughing and stuff for like, for like a week or two. Um, and so then I, I had a dream, uh, wherein she was like really, really sick. And then I went to try and go like see her. Uh, and then I got turned into the pink Panther, but with chicken legs. The Pink Panther's a great spy. How did that not make our list? 
<laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> but but to continue answering the question, um, this this weird like transmorgification dream was so profound at the time that I actually uh, wrote a song. I called it the transmorgification song. Ooh. Like like in real life, after after the dream, I woke up. I was like, yeah, I I, I need to write a song about this and. Not not any lyrics. It was just like a weird, like kind of spooky song. But that's very fair. So it was a very strange dream. For my dreams, I dream in anime a lot. Like it just happens a lot because I'm an absolute dweeb. And most recently, <laughs> I had a dream where me and you were having a shadow game on top of a skyscraper. Ooh. And it's like, okay, so far this is epic. But this is where it gets weird. So centered in the middle of the skyscraper was a swordfish on a hook. And the okay. idea was whenever we lost life points, it got pulled out of the water and started suffocating. You were fighting to kill oh. the swordfish, and I was fighting to save it. In oh. the shadow game. And because you're like, no, swordfish grilled will be amazing. I'm like, we cannot kill this majestic creature. So <laughs> in the middle of our game, the knights from Monty Python and the Holy Grail broke through this rooftop and demanded... Okay. That we were not allowed to decide the king of England through swordfishes, because talking swordfish and aquatic ladies are not a way for democracy to function. <laughs> okay. And I don't remember the rest of it, but those two, my brain went card game swordfish king of England. And I just don't know what caused this. But however, how dare you harm that swordfish? It is a majestic creature. Would be amazing, but the swordfish will let you be the king of England when you draw it from the lake. <laughs> that was my actual goal. <laughs> and with the that, swordfish in the stone. Uh, first, I kind of want to write that now, though. The swordfish <laughs> in the stone. But thank you, our delightful viewers. Also, I probably should give a disclaimer that there's a couple episodes missing off YouTube for some recording issues, but you can find them on mm. our podcast on all podcast platforms. Yeah. Ah, yeah. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. You can check the link for our merch shop to help support the show. We have a Patreon that I desperately need to update, which will have all the episodes on it at some point soon. And mm -hmm. may all your spy operations be successful. Take care, y'all. Bye. Bye. There, we talked about both things. We talked about her book a bit. We talked about spies. It was kind of like multitasking. <laughs> well, I mean, I do still have a little bit of time to talk a little bit more about our book if you want. I think we'll be good because I still want to have that extra meeting to meet up later in the week. Right, right, right. Um, don't. But yeah, oh man, those psychic squirrels are where it's at. The psychic squirrels? <laughs> <laughs>